Welcome to the End of Days Conference hosted by Rhema Family Church in February 2016. Our guest speaker is Reverend Joseph Morris. Wow, I mean that's pretty, uh, when you go through all of those and you uh, see how radical that is, uh, Pastor Patsy was saying something just while we were leaving a while ago. Think of how um, that's basically hell on earth and how desperate God is not to live for eternity in hell. I mean as bad as that is, that's still better than than missing out on the presence of God forever. Think, and we can't even comprehend to be separated from Him for eternity. And, uh, and, uh, and it sounds almost impossible that that happens, but uh, remember, it's to protect you and I, that someone could operate like a God outside of their body that only had hatred and damnation in them. They want to kill, steal, and destroy. I mean, that's why the, the Antichrist is called the mark of the beast. You know, you see a tiger or something go out and kill somebody, they don't feel remorse, they're a beast. And see, that's Lucifer's thought pattern no remorse that's why he's called the mark of the beast you know i haven't gone into all the detail about the mark of the beast but man it, it you know it's <laughs> um you, you sure those people during that time are going to have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity not to take the mark of the beast i mean they're going to be forced to that 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 don't uh rep, that don't repent but uh you know or don't give allegiance to it but i'm telling you you they, god's so cool even in the midst of all that They'll be preaching. There'll be people prophesying. That you have the two witnesses. You'll—I mean, how crazy is that? That midway through the trip, you got a couple guys. <laughs> we say Moses and Elijah. I don't know. Some people say Moses and Enoch because they're appointed once and a man to die. That's true. But we're a whole group of people that aren't going to have to die. So I think it'll be Moses and Elijah. That's just my personal opinion. But think about the two witnesses uh, uh, having power to do whatever they want to do. Uh, for a while they do it, and then, then the, they get killed by the Antichrist. And the world gives each other gifts. <laughs> the Bible says people take, give each other presents because the two witnesses are dead. And then all of a sudden, on the third day, the spirit of resurrection comes in, and they're, res they're raised from the dead, and then they're translated. So people are going to see all this and go, there is a God that's greater than all this. So in the midst of all that, God still has a couple of witnesses to do that in the midst of all that. So he's continuing to get his message out of repentance and that you don't have to go to hell. But boy, it sure is a lot of stuff happening to try to get people's attention. <laughs> you got to be spiritually dense or something or hard-headed or, or whatever, haughty or whatever you want to call it. So at the great white throne judgment, which is after the millennium, God's going to bring across, I mean, the, the, the book of works will be opened up and God's going to go, okay, you could have accepted my son's works and you, you wouldn't have to be here, but you thought you could own your own merits be as pure as me. And I guarantee you, during that great white throne judgment, he's going to walk, it's like a court of law. The case will be presented against them, and the, and the, and the case that's presented against them will go, even during that seven-year period when you had more fireworks than you could ever imagine, you determined not to even repent during that time. And God's going to go, I gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He will show them all the opportunities because he's so merciful and he's just. Wow, thank you, Jesus. We accepted Jesus. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. So uh, in, this, in this session, I want to get into the, the grand event that the whole book talks about, the second coming of Jesus. The songs that we sing, I like that we were talking about happy songs. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming again. 
So we want to talk about the grand event in the scripture. You know, every time someone began to prophesy in the book of Acts, this same Jesus that came and died, God raised him from the dead. He's coming again. There was always the element, he's coming again. All throughout the theme of the book of Acts, he's coming again. Even to the point that Thessalonians had to be written to them because they thought, man, he's coming so soon. But they didn't understand that 2,000-year gap. So let's look at the verses about the second coming. You get wonderful views all throughout Scripture, it's the most documented thing in the book. I mean, Hosea gives you a little picture. Malachi gives you a little picture. Zephaniah gives you a little picture. Joel gives you a little picture. All the different prophets. It's cool how God did that so you can see different viewpoints of different ones to show you how grand it will be when God physically comes back to the planet. I mean, the first time, obviously, was as humble as it could possibly be. Born in a manger. Low-key. You can't get any more low-key than that. No place for him at the end. He's born in a stable, born where the lambs were, and here he's born. But this time, man, there'll be pomp and circumstance. There'll be coronation. Oh, we, we, don't, we were talking about monarchs. We don't really have the idea of how royalty is treated, but there's going to become a protocol, the protocol for receiving a king into the earth, a protocol for seeing nature receive him who made nature. And all the years where man tried to make things an edifice for themselves, every edifice will fall. Everything that man built to say, I'm cool, here the king of kings, the creator will come back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we get to be assembled with him at that second coming as a host that comes back with him to help him implement this kingdom. How cool that you've been raised up to be the, the, the uh, overseers of this wonderful kingdom for a thousand years. So there's great things ahead for all of us. So what an amazing part in history that you and I live right before God physically comes back to the planet. Wow. So let's go look at some verses. Amen. Can that get you excited? Hallelujah. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 24, and the next session will all be in Aramaic, so buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> so if you don't know Aramaic, it's going to be a tough class for you. Here we go. No, no Aramaic. Let's go look at some verses about how radical this will be. Look at Matthew 24. Skip down to verse 27. We've, we talked about the earlier parts about the tribulation period. So notice the verbiage here is so exact and so precise. Matthew chapter 24, look down to verse number 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow, so we see the second coming will be dramatic. Have you ever seen lightning that was casual? No. I've never seen lightning that was just kind of, oh, that was a bolt of lightning. No. I was preaching the other day in Virginia, and I was standing in front of this window of the place I was staying in, and this bolt of lightning hit, hit the tree that was probably from here to that window, and man, the hair on the back of my head went up like that, and it was kaboom! Electricity went out, everything went out, and it wasn't casual. It got my attention. <laughs> I didn't go, hmm, what was that? I knew exactly what it was. I almost got fried by lightning within 20 feet of me, amen? So here it says, uh, uh, it'll be, he'll come like lightning. And look at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in cl the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Now this is pretty amazing. Now verse 31 is a cool event here. And he'll send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet to gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. 
Now, the, the interesting thing at the second coming, it's the complete opposite of the rapture. At the rapture of the church, the righteous are taken off and, and brought up into heaven. At the second coming, the wicked are going to be plucked off the earth so that he can start his kingdom with all righteous people. It's the opposite of the rapture. Remember what he said? I said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares, and at the end of the age, I'll let the angels be the reapers. So all of a sudden here, he's setting up the angels to be the reapers. At the end of the tribulation period, those that have not repented with all those signs, he's going he's gonna to take them off the earth. And he'll, 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 he'll pluck them off the earth, just as he talked about uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. All right? But the righteous, natural-bodied people that make it through the latter part of the tribulation, they're going to be there to set up the kingdom of God on the earth. And he goes into great detail about that in a minute. And that's a huge deal for you and I's future because those natural people that make it through the latter part of the tribulation, they're going to enter into this kingdom, and they're going to start having kids for a thousand years, and you're going to be implementing the kingdom during those thousand years, preaching to them, going, there's Jesus right there, you need to get saved. When those kids reach the age of accountability, they're still going to have the nature of Adam in them. They're going to have to be born again for a thousand years, and you're going to be able to go, there's Jesus right there, get saved. And see, because we think sometimes we're done right now, but you have a whole other thousand years. If you're tasting of the powers of the world to come, you've got a lot of stuff to operate in the world to come. So this second coming, man, the whole earth gets ready for it. Let's, let's go look at some more verses. Let's don't just do this one. We'll come back to Matthew here in a moment. Go back to Isaiah. Skip back to Isaiah chapter 2, I believe it is. And let's go through some Old Testament verses that are just, just very graphic, very exact. Isaiah chapter 2, and uh, let's look at this in Isaiah's first rendition of, of how, how it will look like. Isaiah chapter 2, it's page 776 if you've got a Bible like mine. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. Then the, the, the word of the, that Isaiah, the son of uh, Amos, saw concerning Ju Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. Wow. And many, I like this, and all nations shall flow into it. Many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of Jacob, the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we'll walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Wow. In verse number four, And he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up their sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So notice when the Prince of Peace comes back, everything changes. You have an alteration of everything. Number one, you have everyone deciding, man, let's go up to Jerusalem and worship. This, this, this is the, the event of all events, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, you know, I've skipped over some things, so I'm going to back up. Jesus comes back in some stages, if I can say it that way. We just hear of the coming of the Lord, like, okay, he's going to come right back to, to the Mount of Olives. There's different stages that, that, that happen. I want to read them to you. There's about four stages of the second coming, and then I want you to turn, while I'm getting this, turn to Zechariah chapter... 13 or 14, I believe it is. Listen to the different stages of the coming of the Lord. And um, in the latter part of the tribulation, this is one of them, the, the phase one of the second coming. The Antichrist allies assemble for war, so they start getting ready for the Battle of Armageddon. And then right then, Jesus is coming back to stop them. The next phase of it is there's commercial Babylon's destroyed. And this is right before, there's about four or five protocols right before he physically sets foot on the earth. 
Man, I haven't gone into all the detail about Babylon being restored. I personally think, because the Bible is real specific about this, that Babylon's going to be rebuilt. We talked about Russia having a command center there. So, so the first phase is uh, the Antichrist is going to start being dealt with. Commercial Babylon gets destroyed. The third phase is Jerusalem falls and is ravaged. Now, this is horrible. Now, I'm skipping over all kinds of stuff, but at that second coming, you, you have Babylon getting dealt with. You've got Jerusalem that gets overthrown. And with that, go to Zechariah, because I did say go to Zechariah, and then I want to come back to that, because I don't want to miss something. Go to Zechariah 13. Watch what happens at the second coming. It's really not good, but it's good to see it. Now, you say, how can I find Zechariah? Go to Malachi and go back a, ch- a book. <laughs> Everybody knows where Malachi is from tithing, right? Amen? <laughs> go to Zechariah. Look at chapter 13. Now, Zechariah 14 is one of the most graphic depictions of the second coming. But Zechariah 13 tells us something that's just really basically amazing. Because the Antichrist starts getting dealt with at the latter part of the tribulation. Commercial Babylon gets destroyed. And then all of a sudden, Jerusalem gets completely ravaged. It's horrible. So watch what Zechariah says in verse number 7. Zechariah 13, verse 7. You got your Bibles there? Zechariah 13, verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against men that will follow. Uh, Amidst my my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass that in the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. He's basically saying what's going to happen right before the second coming is two-thirds of all of Israel is going to get killed. There's another holocaust coming. We don't preach about that very much, but only a third part of them will be kept through the latter part of the tribulation there. So, I mean, you talk about, there's about 6 million living in the land right now, so you're talking about 4 million Jews getting killed and 2 million are going to be left. So there's different stages right there. You've got the Antichrist being dealt with. You've got Babylon being dealt with. You've got... uh, you got Jerusalem that's being ravaged. And when it says Jerusalem being ravaged, it's a horrible depiction. There's about five or six different depictions of that. And it, it literally says that four million of them will be killed. So let me read a couple more of these. That was phase three. Uh, phase four is the Antichrist moves south to attack the remnant. Because during that time, Israel goes down into Basra to receive uh, 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 protection. The Antichrist goes down there. And then phase number five of the second coming, pretty radical, um, uh, uh, Jesus returns in glory there to the mount. Isn't that something? He comes back to the very Mount of Olives that he was crucified. How cool is that? And the seventh and final phase, is, we know, is the Battle of Armageddon. So right there in Matthew where we were, he's coming back at the end of the Battle of Armageddon. The Antichrist thinks he can win, and all of a sudden Jesus comes back as lightning from heaven. Wow. Lucifer's so stupid, he still thinks he can beat Jesus. I mean, at some point, you'd think he'd have gone, you know what, I'm bailing on this deal. I'm sorry, I have been stupid. But he still thinks he can defeat Jesus. And there's different stages there of God coming in and rescuing the remnant. It's really cool if you read it. Uh, I like one of the depictions in the Left Behind series, man. It's just, it's almost as cool as it gets. One of his depictions at the second coming, I know it's fiction, but I like to do it where he's, the Bible says that he slays them with the sword of his mouth. It says that he's walking through that valley saying, I am the root of Jesse. Mm. I am he who was and is and is to come. Oh, man, he starts going through the whole deal. He starts quoting himself. Oh, man. I'm Stephen's signs and wonders. I'm Peter's shadow. Man, in Genesis, I was the seed of the woman. In Exodus, I was the Passover lamb. 
And Leviticus, as our high priest, Numbers, as the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of cloud by fire by night. He starts quoting himself. Man, and it says there that the armies are exploding as he's saying that. So there's different, I mean, it's, and it says that the, the blood where the battle of Armageddon is is up to the horse's bridle. And it says when he goes down to, the Bible says when Jesus goes down to Basra, that he treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, Almighty God, and he gets blood on the bottom of his robe. So it's a very, I mean, we think of this all, ha- okay, we think of this happening like, anybody ever see the old show uh, Bewitched where she would twinkle her nose, you know, everything would change? No, Jesus is going to walk right into the, la- the latter phase of the second coming right before he gets to the Mount of Olives, and he's going to be destroying the armies of the Antichrist with his word. He slays them with the sword of his mouth. Man, and you, I mean, <laughs> this is God finally getting to bring recompense to people that were haughty. And it, it sets up the, 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 the declaration for the kingdom. All right, so look at Zechariah. Let's go over there. It's still good. You're there in Zechariah. Go to chapter, uh, oh man, look at chapter, look at chapter 1, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be delivered in the midst of thee. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Wow. Which is from before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall declare even to the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west and there shall be a great valley and half of the mountain shall be removed toward the north and half toward the south i mean this is exactly he's physically zacharias physically showing you what's going to happen when he sets foot on that mountain and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like the fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that light shall be not be clear nor dark. This is cool in verse 7. But it shall be one day which shall not be known, which shall not be known to the Lord. Uh, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that in evening the time shall be light. It's going to be an interesting day where that, that second coming, everything's so changed. It won't be night or it won't be day. It'll just be this, I don't know what it'll be like, but it'll be where Jesus is the only light. He's so bright, there's no, there's no shadow. He, there's no place where a shadow can even be. Think of having the sun just revolving all around you to where it, there, this light, for there's a shadow on the stage here because of this, the, that. He's so radiant, he encompasses everything. All of a sudden, life everlasting comes back to a planet that's been ruled by a dark angel, Lucifer. And when that light comes back, the earth doesn't even know what to handle it. It, does, it says, we don't know if it's day or night because his light is so encompassing that it just lights everything up. And the earth is just going, the earth is going, what's going on? What's going on? Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is coming back. Wow. And then he gets even more graphic. He goes over in a couple of the verses. Skip over to verse 12 of chapter 14. He says, 
And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that, that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall let, lay hold every one of his hand upon his neighbor. And he'll rise up against his hand of his neighbor. And Judah shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel and in great abundance. Wow. So here's, here's a, a Zachariah. How do you like to be Zachariah getting a view of this? I mean, we call him minor prophets. He was just seeing stuff. What a, what a depiction. Joel saw it. He said, sound an alarm. Sound an alarm. Wake everybody up. And really he interpreted it. Wake, it's the, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on everybody. It's interesting how they skipped over dispensations. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out on everybody. But really what he was talking about, there's coming a day, wow, where God physically comes back to the planet. So let's go look at a little bit more. Back, go back to Matthew. Mm. Go to Matthew chapter 24 or 25. You pick out the chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. Look at Matthew chapter 25, and here's another a depiction of this. No, go back to chapter 24. I don't want to skip over some of that. I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 24 again, I'm sorry. Verse 31. We were there, I'm sorry. Matthew 24, verse 31. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They'll gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Then he gives them a parable, and skip down to verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I like the, the parallels that Jesus physically himself gives you. Now, Noah didn't go through the flood. He rode on top of the flood. His other comparison for the second coming are the days of Lot. What happened to Lot? He escaped judgment. Okay? The angel said, I can't do anything until I get you out. The two types that Jesus gave for his coming were days of Noah, days of Lot. Noah didn't get hurt, and Lot escaped. He gives you two, two thought patterns. The church escapes, and the Jews will go through the flood. They wrote it, okay? All right, go down a little further there. The next verse, verse 38. For as the days of Noah were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered in the ark. Knew not till the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Now remember, that's not the rapture, that's at the second coming. Now look how crazy this is. You know, I was preaching in France last year, we were talking about this. In France, there's 1% saved. Germany, 3% saved. So they're going to have about a 50% revival. It's just unacceptable to me that a nation could have 1% people born again. But you'll notice here, after sign, after sign, after sign, after pressure, after seal, after trumpet judgment, after vile judgments, only half the people turn. You think the percentage would be like, man, I've never seen fireworks like this in all my life. I'm going to repent. But notice the, 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 the equation at the second coming is still half, which is to me is just absolutely absurd. That half of the people go, oh, it's just not worth it to repent. But notice this, he takes the unrighteous off the earth and leaves the righteous. Okay? It's the opposite of the rapture. Now, most preachers I hear all over the world, they go, now that's the rapture. That's not the rapture. All of Matthew is second coming. Second coming, second coming, second coming, second coming, bodily second coming. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. So go to chapter 25. Go to chapter 25 and we'll look a little bit more. Chapter 25, look down at verse number 31. 
He makes this extremely clear. Matthew 25, verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. You notice He didn't say, when He comes back to catch the church away, to receive Him unto Himself. No, that's a whole different event that was seven years earlier. Remember, at the rapture, we go up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming, He physically comes back and puts His foot on the Mount of Olives. Two complete, separate events. And so here, it says in verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And then He shall set the sheep on His right hands, and the goats on His left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come, ye blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world." So notice what happens right at the second coming. He wants natural-bodied, righteous people to enter into that kingdom. He's real concerned about, I, I, I've prepared this for you from the foundation of the world. Notice when Adam sinned, Jesus didn't go, oops, we messed up. No, it was just an interruption into God's plan. This is getting back to God's plan. Even though they're not, they're not uh, glorious like Adam and Eve were before they fell, he likes a natural kingdom. He likes natural earth. We have this weird ethereal thought pattern that heaven's ethereal uh, heaven's more real than the earth is he wants natural man to have a natural kingdom and he's going to reign in that natural kingdom for a thousand years he's going to this is the crazy thing he's going to reign on david's throne god is going to sit on a man's throne wow you talk about humility hmm. i think that's going to be the thing that shocks us the most when we see jesus and see the father the humility of Jesus will just reach out to us. The one being that could kind of go have the Barney Fife anointing, kind of like, have any of you ever watched Andy Griffin, the show from the States, you know? Kind of the Barney Fife. If anybody could do the Barney Fife deal, it would, he, he could do it. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he won't do that. His mercy and his kindness, his humility will reach to you like never before. So here, this is called the sheep and goat judgment. Uh, uh, now this is something that gets preached a lot that's erroneous. Because at the end of this part here, Jesus goes, you know, you, people come up to him and goes, I preached in your name and all that. And he goes, depart from me, I never knew you. That's not talking to the church. That's talking about people in the latter part of the tribulation trying to wig their way into the second coming. They're going to go, hey, I prophesied your name. He's like, no, I don't even know who you are. Which people try to put that on the church to make people think they're not saved. Which is just disgusting to try to promote fear in people. <laughs> Amen. So notice this, he judges the nations here. Amen, I'm skimming over a lot, but he judges the nations based on how they treat Israel during that time. Okay, I believe that Iran probably won't be here, Iraq probably won't be here, but there'll be people from those nations that are here. As a nation as a whole that doesn't treat Israel correctly will not enter into the millennial kingdom. But, you know, we'll get into it tonight about Egypt is there, and Egypt has been horrible to Israel over the years. But one man, Anwar Sadat, made peace with Israel, and it blesses the whole nation for a thousand years. He paid a price for it. They, they assassinated him, but he, he had the thought pattern to go try to be a friend to Israel. And the next day, a guy came in there and shot him on that, on that parade. So, you know, it's amazing how the nations are going to be judged based on their treatment of Israel. You see, it's a very physical thing. God's physical kingdom's like that, and He's going to physically show them the kingdom. If you'll notice, when we get into it, uh, the land will be partitioned based on tribe. 
tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin, and the whole land will be open. If you want to get a picture of it, it's really so much bigger than they have right now. And I had a lady say something to me in between classes. I can't remember where she was, and it was a good question. She said, she said, aren't some of the wars that are happening right now kind of Israel's fault because they took their land? And I said, no, it wasn't Israel's fault. Israel got their land by proclamation, the Balthar Declaration. Chaim Wiseman invented TNT during World War I. And they said, well, we're so happy that you helped us win World War I. What do you want? He said, I want a homeland for my people. So they made a whole proclamation to give Israel their land. Okay, so they did, and they reneged on that. But then the United Nations, with thank God, President Harry Truman, put forth the very first vote and passed that Israel had a right to their land because they were there thousands of years before. So every war that's happening there is not because Israel took their land, it's because it was given to them by proclamation of England and proclamation by God Almighty. And people now say, well, Israel's occupying their land. They're not occupying anything. It would be just like someone from Canada coming into Brisbane going, you know what, we're taking Brisbane. You'd go, no, you're not taking Brisbane, it's part of Australia. And they'd go, well, you're occupying Australia. No, you're not occupying Australia, you're an Australian. Wouldn't that be crazy? It makes no sense whatsoever. All of a sudden, when it comes to Israel, uh, the whole world, Lucifer has put in this mindset that it's Israel's fault for the wars there. The Palestinians are stabbing up to 10 to 15 Israelis the last five weeks, are getting stabbed, and then the Palestinians are running their cars into Israelis. I, I went to lunch, we went to lunch yesterday. I didn't see anybody try to hit us while we were walking to the restaurant. The Jews have to think of somebody trying to run over them because of the Palestinians. That's it. We, we have no conception of that kind of luciferic mentality that's in the world today. So notice God. Boy, you're getting to view this battle of the ages where, where a, a, a rebel angel said, I'll be like the Most High. And God's like, no, you won't. In a six-day period to him, that, that angel's tried to destroy his creation. And God's like, no, you won't. I'll send the seed that will bruise you. Hallelujah. And Jesus came and redeemed us from Adam's fall. And this whole plan's playing out while we're alive. If you were here 500 years ago, you'd just go, well, I have no idea what's going on. You're watching the battle of the ages be unfolded to where Lucifer goes, I'm going to kill Israel, I'm going to kill Israel, I'm going to kill Israel. He can't get to the Father, so he tries to get what's on the Father's heart. He goes, I'll annihilate them. Oh, he can't do it, though. He's tried, but he can't. And in the midst of all that, he raised up you and I, called the church. And in this 2,000-year period, he's had the believer, wow, which during the millennium, he's going to tout you. He's going to show you off. It's amazing how he's going to show you to those that first trusted in him, he's going to show forth his glory. Because you trusted in him when you couldn't see him. Amen. They're, they're, he's going to be reigning right there for a thousand years and people still reject him. And here you trusted him when some guy came in and yelled and preached. Wow. So God's going to go, look at my church. They, they took me at my word. Wow. So we're viewing this battle unfold toward right now, right after we leave the planet. God's going to get to physically deal with Lucifer. Now, he, he defeated him 2,000 years ago. He's under our feet. But he's physically going to be put into that pit. So go to Revelation 19. Run over there for just a minute. We'll close here in just a second, and we'll have our break. But go to Revelation 19. You got your Bibles there? Revelation 19, look at verse... You know the verses so well, but it's cool. Revelation 19, skip over there for a minute. Look at, look at Revelation 19, verse 11. This is another depiction of the second coming. Very, very graphic, very cool. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse... 
Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, mm. and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He with clothes with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were with him in heaven, followed, that's us, Follow him from a white horse that's clothed in fine linen, white and clean. How cool is that going to be? Maybe you've never ridden a horse before, but you're going to ride the coolest horse you've ever seen. It's going to be the most smoking cool horse you've ever got on for in your life. We had a horse, uh, we had an Appaloosa that I think was demon-possessed when I was a kid. And uh, everybody that got on it was bucked off. I, they, I climbed the tree to get on this horse, climbed out over the limb. The second I got on that horse, I, I was shot off. So we're going to be on a horse that... that somehow can yield to our instruction and we're going to fly on that horse and we'll be arrayed in fine linen, white and clean. Mm. Wow. And the Bible calls you the armies which are with him in heaven. So look at the next verse there. Verse 15. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. With it he would smite the nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Mm. And he, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. So here's, the, here's, here's John's depiction of what this is going to look like with you and I coming back. King of kings and Lord of lords. These crowns on his head. These, these, these vestures on him. These, these names written on him. You talk about pomp and circumstance. All creation. You know, the universe... It's expanding at the speed of light for I don't know how many, 13, 16 billion years old. I mean, when you, between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there's no time, so it's just been a long time, okay? Hang with me. Don't let that freak you out. But anyway, as far as the universe has been speeding out, we know there's about 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars. Now listen to me. 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars that are like our sun, and he all, calls them all by name. He calls them all by name. The universe and the heavens are going to bow in adoration. That the creation is waiting for the creator to come. And all of a sudden the creator is going to come as the king of kings and lord of lords. All creation will bow in adoration. The hearts of men will bow in adoration. And the saints will be coming where the song comes in. The saints come marching in. We're going to come back to this natural earth after we've gone through the reward seat of Christ. So, so you've, you've gotten retrofitted for your future. You've gone through the, the thought pattern of reigning for a thousand years. Gone to the greatest marriage supper, the greatest party you've ever been to in your life. I don't know how they're going to handle the dishes and how they're going to handle all that. But it's going to be the greatest meal you've ever had in your entire life. And all of a sudden, right after that, they'll, they'll be the, 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 the orders from headquarters. The regiment from, from Brisbane, Australia will hit this stage here. The, resident, the, 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 the regiment from Tulsa, Oklahoma will hit this stage here. And all of a sudden, we'll rise up on these horses. And the excitement will build in every man going, wow, we're coming back to the planet with God. We, we, we can't even think of him as Jesus. We're coming back with God, King of kings 
and Lord of Lords. And all of a sudden, we'll rise up out of heaven on those horses and come reeling down toward the universe. And we'll see this little spot down there called Earth. And we'll see the Antichrist going like this, looking stupid. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he's going to see this light coming at him that's brighter than all the hundred billion stars at once coming right at him. It's going to look like the light on a freight train. And behind that freight train is going to be you and I coming right there toward him. And he's going to go, I think I messed this deal up. Yes, he messed this deal up. Because right then, Jesus is going to come back and obliterate him with the brightness of his coming. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the coolest thing ever. Every movie you see that has the hero coming at the end, they get it from right there. Every movie you see where, where, where man has it where the hero comes in, that comes from right there. Because Jesus is going to come back and stop war. The Prince of Peace, there'll be no more war. Wow. And I, I you know, you, there's not a lot written about, in a minute, we, we, I mean, we'll get into the next chapters, but there's not a lot written about the physical things that happen. You see the sheep and goat judgment that happens immediately, but man, just there's a few other things that happen, and I'm sure we'll be implemented right there into starting up that millennial reign. There's about a 75-day interval period, the Bible says. And uh, there's about 25 days for something to happen. There's about 45 days, listen to this, to clean the temple. This is, now listen to this. When, they're, when, they're, when you know, the, the Ezekiel temple is going to be getting ready to be rebuilt right then, and when Jesus comes back, there's a 45-day period of cleansing. Now listen to this. Because just for God to be there on the dirt, there has to go through all this natural purifications because the dirt can't even get ready for him to come back. 45 days of physical purification to get ready for God to be there. Because, see, there's still going to be natural people there that have the stain of Adam on them, and God's like, I can't have that stain near me. So i got to purify the temple area for 45 days. And yet he lives in you. Woo! He who knew no sin was made sin, that I'd be made the righteousness of God in him. He didn't deserve sin. He was made sin. I didn't deserve righteousness. He made me righteous. So look at the, if you want to get a picture of what he thinks about you, look at the Ezekiel temple. We'll get into some of that tonight, but he, he spends four, eight chapters, Ezekiel 40 through I think 46, on the, on the particularness of that, that building where he's going to dwell. So there's all kinds of natural things, all kinds of spiritual things, and, and with it, you're going to see a smile like you've never seen before. Jesus is going to go, man, I'm getting to come back. I don't have to get beat up this time. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, He's so normal. He'll be thinking, isn't this cool? I get to come back as proper as it ought to be. First time he had to think about, man, I'm going to be separated from my father. This time he's going to go, creation is going to see what my dad's like. I'll be able to implement the mercy of my father for that thousand years and he raised you up to help him implement that mercy that's the whole thing during that thousand years mercy shall reign kindness shall reign goodness shall reign so we're all in preparation for implementing that thousand year kingdom let's thank you for a minute and then we'll have our break we'll come back we got we got another hour lord we love you we thank you for this season before you come father we we bow our hearts in adoration to you knowing that the earth is just about to prepare for all this traumatic stuff. But, Father, we are so blessed that we get to focus on the reward seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb, and now we focus on this grand event where you physically 
get to be seen by all and you receive the honor due your name that creation would bow that every knee would bow every tongue would confess that you're Lord to the glory of God the Father we take this moment before we break for our break to worship you to honor you thank you for dying for us thank you for giving your life we magnify your mercy Lord we magnify your goodness and your kindness thank you for your patience thank you for being so patient with us Lord Thank you for helping us uh, fulfill what you've called us all to do. We look to you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we, we magnify you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Blessed be your wonderful name, honor and dominion and power unto the Son of God, who was and is and is to come. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Bless you, Jesus. He's worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy to be magnified. Worthy to be praised. Wow, hallelujah. <laughs> ah, wow. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Wow, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. My. Mm. Unending mercy, unending kindness. Wow. You can't verbalize it. You can't verbalize how good he is. Wow. Man, oh man. Okay, I guess we'll have our break. Mm. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this teaching and are freshly excited about our Saviour's imminent return and how we should be living in anticipation of this blessed hope. For more information on Rama Family Church or to partner with us in producing more resources like this, please visit rhema.org.au.